Welcome to the Modern Rustic. I'm Russell. I'm Zach. I'm Mike. We are a community-based podcast from the heart of the Fraser Valley, where we have classic conversations about our current culture and the impact we have on it. Welcome back to the show, folks. This is the Modern Rustic Podcast with Zach and Mike and Russell. Right? Yeah, that is yes. my name. That is you guys. Yeah. Uh, we are back for another week of extraordinary content, bringing you the latest and greatest in things that you probably don't care that much about, but we kind of like it, so we're going to talk about it. You don't have to listen. Uh, we are going to start with a moment of silence for not one, not two, not three, actually it's three, three different things. One, Stormcrow Tavern in downtown Vancouver has shut down for good. Didn't and they that, shut down a long time ago? Uh, the... The tavern did, but the uh, alehouse did not. Oh, right. Yes, that's what it was. So the tavern shut down a while ago, and now the alehouse just shut down last week. Oh, so Stormcrow is just... It's gone. There's yeah. one in Toronto, oh, so yeah. that's kind of keeping the legacy going, but we are sad. Yeah. Because it was nice. a bomb place to go. Yeah, that place like, was awesome. We When we went there, not that last year, we went there last uh, year, and... Yeah, yeah I, I did this, this thing. Uh, yeah, we went in yeah twenty twenty one summer, spring I think spring or summer. Maybe. Christmas, yeah. Christmas out for it. Yeah, so yeah, but we got you know butter beers and infinity gauntlet shots and the works. It was so cool there, like yeah. nerd nirvana. It That's was a cool phenomenal. spot. It was. I, I really, I really liked the tavern. I got to go to the tavern one time, uh, and as boss as the alehouse was with their like decor and everything, the tavern was better. I don't know mm. which one I had been to. Are they in the same building? Or? The tavern had like real. No, they're not. Oh, okay. Uh, they're different locations across. Uh, oh, I across see. Yeah. The, the tavern had like like real wooden tables. Yeah. And like wooden like wooden chairs. Right. Uh, the alehouse has like a bar as part of it. Yeah. I mean, I guess they, I guess they both do technically, but. I think the, I tab- must... the tavern's more restauranty. Okay. Yeah. I've definitely been to the more... tavern. I went to the tavern. I never went to the alehouse. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, the tavern was really cool. Yeah. yeah, so a moment of silence for them, and for all of our Abbotsford listeners, the Dairy Queen in the mall has officially shut their doors. Dairy Queen Orange Julius, it has been there since before I was born, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, long time. Long time, 20 yeah. years at least. Yeah, more than so, that. It's like the first yeah. thing you see when you walk into the front doors at Seven Oaks Mall. I don't think that's the front doors. It's the doors that I always enter through. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, I guess you see a Starbucks, and in the distance, the the red, blue, and yellow glow of a Dairy Queen sign. I, I think it's ex- I think it's existed in some form in the food court there for like thirty years at least. I would out that. Yeah, it's a strong guess. I'd say strong guess. But I have a lot of good memories attached to going to the mall as a kid, getting me a Blizzard, and just having a good old time. Yeah. Which is sad because now malls are dead. Malls are dead. Yeah, but we talked about this. They're trying to get rid of everything out of the mall anyway to yes. tear it down. So that's yeah. gonna is that the truth? Like yeah, seven oaks mall is gonna they've, be no They've mall. had plans for a while now, and I think at this point they're waiting for all the leases to be up so that they can they're not liable for paying yeah. anybody out to tear it down. It's gonna be a they want to do a walking pedestrian kind of mall, like kind of like, like high like, street. Kind of like high street, but a little more like Langley, where it's gonna be like shops and then like apartments or maybe oh yeah up top. It's got, like, green space and stuff. Yeah. It's pretty... It's a little ambitious for Abbotsford, but I think if it works, it could be good. Yeah. yeah. And the last thing on our list of sad news is that there will be no Cloverdale Rodeo this year. 
which for all our rodeo fans, sucks. oh man, it's pour one out shame. for the rodeo boys. I probably will, not due to COVID actually, but due to the fact that the bleachers are in disrepair and need to be fixed for some strange reason. Why they didn't fix them in 2020 or 2021, I don't when know. When nobody was going, when no, when we yeah. didn't, we haven't had a rodeo in two years. And I'm now su- we can't have one because the bleachers don't work. I'm surprised that no sponsor has been like, we'll just pay for this and, you know, give us some extra consideration. Or well, when is the rodeo? Uh, usually uh, August, I think. Oh. <clears throat> I believe. That's got to be something enough time like to fix up some bleachers. I mean, if it's in the Who news, if it's in the news, maybe they'll get something. Because, like, okay. I just discovered that the Vancouver Aquarium did not close after all. I thought okay. it. I thought it did too, Didn't but apparently, get... last minute before they were doing their like their last <laughs> I know what stint, happened. they did get funding. Do you really? know who they got it from? I Wasn't don't. It by some probably somebody shady. International is it like like zoo t- a, place? T- a tuna a tuna company? <laughs> no, it is uh, none other than uh, probably not her herself, but the people who are in charge of the Dolly Parton estate. Oh, really? Yeah, who run Dollywood. Okay. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah, so now the Vancouver Aquarium and Dollywood are owned by the same parrot company. Parent company, not parrot company. Do you think they'll have parrots? They already do. At the aquarium? Yeah. I thought they just had fish. No, they have like a, there's like a green area. Yeah, there's like an outdoor kind oh. of. Yeah. They got like monkeys, snakes. Parrots. There's like a solarium. I haven't been solarium, there in yeah, kind of 12 years. I haven't been in oh, so really? long. I've been probably four times since I moved back here, like four years ago. So really, okay. yeah, I've been several times. Yeah, it's been probably as long as you for you, Russell. Like for me, it's probably been like ten years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wanted to go while they were like closing, but I just never got the opportunity. Yeah. They had these cool events every once in a while where it was like um, aquarium after dark, and it, and you could buy. I drinks want, I wanted to go. Those always look so cool. That yeah. would be really. They cool. actually put effort into it. It looked really cool. Mm. Yeah. I'm, I'm, it is. Like it's kind of a concern, like the Vancouver Aquarium being purchased by that company, because that means like before the Vancouver Aquarium was run by a nonprofit, now it's run by a for-profit company. So mm. like a lot of stuff could change. The conservation efforts might kind of go out the window potentially. Not necessarily. Like they, the company hope, yeah. might want to keep that legacy around. But I hope so because they they did try to do a lot of good. Yeah. In the area. Ho- hopefully, it just doesn't turn into like just a tourist trap. And they can keep like the the environmentalist side of it still alive. Yeah. Did they still do a lot of that at the aquarium? Because I heard oh, yeah. that they were shutting a lot of that down. Well, no. because of funding, they had to stop because that's obviously it's costing a lot right. for op- as opposed to just operating. But they were doing like yeah, like rescue and rehabilitation mm-hmm. up until I think the, like the last little little bit when they announced they were going to close. Yeah, right. And like a lot of the. Not displays, exhibits. A lot of the exhibits were based around, like, environmental causes. Like, the last several times I went, it was all about, like, garbage in the ocean. And mm. They had this one display that was uh, uh, just, like, a small tank, probably, like, two feet by two feet by two feet, small cube, with just, like, these little, what looked like jellyfish in it. And they were just kind of floating around, and there was a lot of people going up, looking at it, and be like, oh, look at these crazy-looking jellyfish, looking down at the sign that said plastic bag jellyfish. They're like, oh, it's called a plastic bag but jellyfish. I guess it kind of does look like a plastic bag. And then you read the description, and it literally is just small plastic bags, and it's just like a whole thing about, like, this is what garbage does to our oceans. But it was really funny to just stand there for, like, just, like, ten minutes and yeah. watch everybody go up and be like, oh, it looks like a jellyfish. That's kind of, oh, it's a jellyfish. It looks like a plastic bag. That's kind of eye-opening when you, when you realize that, though. Oh, yeah, it's like, definitely. It's like, wow, like, 
you you don't see it until it's like slapped in their face. Like this, that's not a thing that yeah. should be in the ocean. Yeah. Even though it looks like it. Yeah. I agree. <sighs> Did you hear the? There was a guy that a, a, a young guy, and he cre- he created a robot or a machine of some kind, and they put it in the ocean, and it eats garbage. And it, it yeah, it's self-sustaining of some sort. I, I can't remember what the details were, but basically this guy's revolutionary, revolutionizing the way that we get rid of garbage, and he's just got it going in the... What's that big garbage island? Uh, I think they call it Garbage Island. Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> the great, the <laughs> great Pan-Pacific garbage patch, is that what it's called? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. That's like the technical term, but they do just call it Garbage Island. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I mean, it's it's very technical. It's a garbage island. It's yeah. an island of trash. It's true. It's rubbish. I, I'm trying to make a, an alliteration here, but it's not working. Irregardless. It's refuse rubble. I don't know. Litterland. Litter. Oh, better. Litterland. Better. Do, watch out for the needles in the slide. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Always use your sharps container, folks. If you don't have one, get one. Okay, what else do we have to talk about tonight? Uh, music festivals? Is that what we want to talk about? Sure, we can go to music festivals. Sure. Mike, what do we got? Well, you don't know what Fire Festival was. <laughs> I don't know what Fire... Well, I... Okay, so Fire Festival was the one with... What's that guy's name? T. Ja Rule. Ja Rule. He was attached to it, but he wasn't like running it. He, was, I think, he was helping paying for it. In the beginning, it was definitely advertised as his game. He, he was, mm, he, yeah. yeah, he was attached as a collaborator on its yeah. inception. Yes, yeah. 100%. but I remember like when it was first starting to be talked about. It was definitely advertised as like Jaw Rules Fire Festival. Yeah, it was. His ja, name it was, was, all it was over. yeah, it was Jaw Rule and like whatever promotion company that. Yeah. The guy who was responsible owned. We're putting on this festival, so yeah. it's like, oh, Ja Rule is the name attached to this to get people to come. Kind of yeah. thing. It uh, it was a colossal bomb, Russell. Was it? It was about the biggest colossal bomb that something like that could possibly be. So, so without without going into, there's a really good ten minute video. Okay. That explains uh, the, major- the majority minutes. of it. Uh, basically, this guy who what's the who, guy's name that ran it? Oh, I, I can't. I can't remember. I can't remember his, I name, can't remember his name. At the Forget him, folks. Don't remember his name. He doesn't well, deserve. We're going to end it up the fact that you asked that question. So anyway, this guy that's responsible for for putting this on, uh, essentially mismanaged uh, the sale of the tickets, the accommodations, the, the setting up, basically everything you could have fallen through on. Because it was supposed to be like an all-inclusive trip to this remote island that at the time had almost nothing on it. Like, there was a small little tourist community. But aside from that, they were basically just renting out a private island. Well, for... that's that's what it was advertised as. Yes. I, the video I watched, there was no island called Fire Island. It was, <laughs> it was supposed to be, it was advertised as this one private island, but it was actually this other island, which actually was part of three resorts on an island. Okay. And the area they were taking place of this concert was basically in between these other these other locations that are private exclusive like r- destinations. So they actually had like the least desirable space on this island to operate on. Uh, there but were no accommodations. I feel like we sh- I, I do want to backpedal a little bit because like I watched the documentary on Netflix about it cuz it, it it's really interesting because 
the guy who started it did have ambitions to rent a private island. That was his plan in the very beginning. Yeah. But that was his idea like eight months before the festival was supposed to happen. So okay. he was trying to line up a private island eight months in advance. And like, it was a really short amount of time, like six weeks before the festival. They were like, oh, actually, it's going to be on this other island. Yeah. They changed it right before? They changed the island to a remote, not populated at all, private island to <laughs> a tourist trappy kind of place. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, did, they, did they have a reason for that? They, they couldn't, they didn't have the money. So yeah. this goes into like the whole the, the thing with the tickets. So it was advertised and, and, and even after the Fire Festival incident, people were like, oh, how could you spend like $12,000 on this ticket? How could you be duped for that much money? Right. And not know it was a scam going into it. I don't think they proved that anybody paid $12,000 for one ticket. But like the sales of these tickets were between like an average of like 5000 for like the VIP experience kind of thing. And, like, baseline tickets, which I think some people said they got deals as low as $500. Wow. So, for going for this, like, epic concert that was going to be held on a private island for 500 bucks, they got a lot of people to sign up for this. Uh, yeah, for 500 bucks, I'd yeah. probably think about it. Even for 5000 like, that's still... Yeah. If you can afford it, that's yeah. that's a big thing. That's true. To say that you can go be part of this. So, they got, like, a lot of influencers advertising it. And, basically, they didn't have the money to pay for... Uh, services like uh employees mm. accommodations they ended up having it, it ended up being fema tents just spattered across the the land okay. for uh, accommodations is it or, or or no tents for some people is it true or was it just publicized that there was people stranded on that island no they they were stranded for i think for a few days at the very least. yeah it was that's like, all i remember because it was like they got to the island and then very quickly realized that the accommodations were not what they paid for the food uh didn't exist so you were getting these people coming off of a plane they had been drinking all day <laughs> well they ended up giving sense. out bottle bottles of liquor that they yeah. had because they didn't have food they're like yeah. we're sorry we don't have food Take this this decent high class liquor as payment for our, our our apologies. So you're you're dehydrating these folks with yeah, booze. That, that's exactly it. Yeah. Okay. I can see how this would turn nasty. Yeah. So then, so, like, the night comes, and did any music ever begin? Because I I, I don't believe so. I seem to remember every musical guest not showing up. Yeah, and I don't yeah. think the stages were actually constructed. I believe or the stages they, it, it, were being built the yeah. day the plane was arriving. Yeah. Yeah. So not only that, but people's luggages had not arrived because they were arriving by boat. So when they arrived, they dropped these giant cargo containers of people's luggage. Oh, and people ransacked them trying to find their stuff. And I think the majority of people got all their stuff stolen. Ooh. Yeah, because like, by the time the bags had arrived, people had been there hours and hours. It, it, it was, I, there was a clip of people unloading it in the middle of the night. Like with with their yeah. phones, trying mm -hmm. to find their bags, and people are tossing bags out for people to sort through stuff. And it's like those like those videos you see of like WalMarts on Black Friday. Like oh yeah, just yeah, yeah. absolute chaos. Yeah, really. Yeah. So I think eventually I heard that the eventually the uh, the embassy for the island or whatever or the country uh, had to step in and like get accommodate special flights to get all these people out of here because they were stranded. Yeah, for, of course. Uh, but I think that was like at least two or three days. Until that happens. Well, it becomes a human rights issue at that yeah. point. You're, you're oh, starving. Yeah, well, because they, they had people fla fla flocking to the airport after they got their bags or they realized this was not going to be what they wanted. 
and there weren't enough flights out. Mm. So people were either stranded at the location or at the airport. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Okay. So he ended up going to jail. Yeah. I would hope so. The reason that we I ask if you since you, you know about it is that there's now another festival coming up. <laughs> is there actually? <laughs> it's not put on by him, but <sighs> it's. Uh, we should preface this by th- saying that at this point, do we want to name the festival? I don't know if we should. We, we, we should talk okay. about yeah, it what because is it we are not the only people on the internet talking about this festival yeah, as if guess. it is going to be a massive pile of poo. We should preface it by saying that we don't know. We're not experts. Far from it. If there were any more red flags for this show, uh, it would be a red flag festival instead of a music festival. Yeah. So, <laughs> so from what I know, I'll tell you what I know, and then Zach probably knows more. Please than I enlighten do. me, sir. There, the plan is it's it's a huge number of bands. I think there's like sixty five, sixty five, maybe sixty five plus. It's a lot. They have it's it's only going to take place during twelve hours. That's a terrible idea. There's going to be three stages. I already see issues with this. That means that an average band, like each stage is going to see about 20 to 22 bands okay. in 12 hours. How are you supposed to have a good time with that? So people are already like, kind of like, people are asking for more information about this because they people want to be excited or at least know more about it before they get into it. They've said that the average band is going to have maybe 20 to 30 minutes Longer bands that are gonna have a longer set might get an hour, maybe. And it, it is also worth mentioning. Like I know that this isn't really your scene, but this is these are bands uh, that are like emo music from like the mid two thousands to mid twenty tens. I'd say like, like Paramore. There's, there's Paramore like, is one of the yeah, headliners. Like pop pop and rock yeah okay. bands and a lot of really well known ones. Oh yeah, P- uh, like, like Paramore, My Chemical Romance, A Day to Remember, and like a I lot of the, bands. I think the Killers were. The, the killers? I, I never saw the killers on. There. I thought they were. I could be wrong, yeah. I, but I Ooh. thought they were. Okay. Or, they, or maybe they might have been asked. I don't know. I kind of want to go. It sounds really great. It sounds amazing. It's in Las Vegas. It's not an island. Okay. That also means that you're going to be in a desert. Yeah. For twelve hours in August, right? Is that what it I is? I believe it's. I'm sorry. August. You don't want to go to Vegas in August. That's a bad idea. Yeah. You mix liquor and probably illicit drugs oh, and dehydrated young people jumping around. Oh, that's a bad idea. Yeah. What? For only I'm, 12 hours. I'm not a rave guy myself, so I don't really understand the whole thing, but each to their own. I'm all for it. But man, that just, that seems like a bad idea. Well, Zach and I were talking like, so if every band is only getting about 20 to 40 minutes, you have to imagine like how fast like bands have to go on, play their set, and get off, and then they have to set up for the next band. Because there's only three stages. Yeah. Zach, as a musician yourself who's played gigs, yeah, is it, it takes a while for them yeah. to take all their stuff off the stage and then for somebody else to bring all their other stuff on stage, right? Yeah, so it's kind of, like, it's tough for me to say because I haven't played, like, big shows. Like, the biggest crowd we played was barely over 100 people on our tour a couple years it's ago. It's in an intimate but, setting. But even in those settings, and, like, I imagine that it scales up pretty evenly. Like, bigger bands, bigger crowds. Like, the sure. times probably remain about the same. Okay. Like, so they usually allow its... Like, you, you load in an hour before the show starts, then the first band goes on, and then they like to have the turnover around 15 to 20 minutes between bands. Hmm. Yeah, so, so assuming they have the the manpower to swap things efficiently, maybe 10 minutes. 
ten minutes would be probably pretty decent. That'd be but first, it's first also, stage. like those bands, like the backline, which is what you call like their equipment. Mm-hmm. Like it's massive. It's a huge system, and like as soon as you get to headliners, like I've gone to concerts, like big concerts and stadiums. Where in between the opener, like the last opener, and the headliner, you're waiting like 30 to 45 minutes. Between bands. Between bands. Yeah, yeah. for like bigger, bigger, like... For bigger yeah, shows. that yeah. makes Which, sense to me, because yeah. I've been to a couple concerts, and you have to wait a little bit. Even yeah. if you have your opener, and then the next guys come on. I saw Billy Talent once. Oh, so good. They're going to be a we, When We Were Young Fest. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's what it's yeah. called, We Were Young? When We Were Young Festival. When We Were Young yeah. Festival, Okay. Okay. See, I thought I thought the Killers were going because that's the name of one of their songs. That's why I thought that they. Oh, I think that's yeah. why, and I think that's why other people thought they were as well. Who sings that, that "We Are Young" song? We are young. Fun. Oh. Um, Can I get the disco? No. Is it fun? It's fun. Isn't I it? think it's fun. Yeah. Yeah, I think it that is. That sounds right. Yeah, it is. Irregardless. Irregardless. All right. So we think that this. When We Were Young Festival is going to be an absolute disaster. Is that our opinion? There is every clue. That it is going to be a complete shit show. Yeah. So far, I I'm keeping my eye on it because also it is uh, it's being run by uh, the same company that ran Astro World, the Travis Scott concert that went awry a couple months ago. Oh. Which isn't saying much because it's Live Nation and they put on a lot of like shows and festivals and stuff, but they don't have a great reputation right now. Well, and yeah. it almost seems like they're like making these grand promises that they can't keep so that they can recoup some losses that they made on Astroworld. Well, I heard also that Live Nation, more recently than, than that concert incident, like canceled a, a, a huge concert venue. I can't remember where it was, unfortunately. But I can, I'll, you can look it up. I'm sure it's, it's in the news for sure. Like, they canceled it and didn't do any refunds for anybody. Oh, yeah. they, oh. they canceled almost last minute and yeah. basically, like... Everybody got screwed over. Live Nation is a horrible company. Like, ticket sales for concerts in general is pretty much in the worst state it could possibly be in right now. But And Live Nation is to blame, like, hugely. So Live Nation is, that's the, always the website that you go to when you want to buy tickets, right? Live yeah, Nation or like, Ticketmaster? It's like, it's, like Ticketmaster. T- it's like Ticketmaster. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I'm still not, I don't get the math here. You have 65 plus artists on three different stages for 12 hours. That there's no way that you can fit that. That's so, exactly right. <laughs> they want to try. They're gonna try. I guarantee you that in the next couple months we're gonna see bands start to drop out at the very least. That's gonna happen. I can. I, I would put money down on that, just like I did last week and lost the bet. But this one, I'm even more sure. <laughs> well, yeah. Okay, so let's give it the old modern rustic rundown. Is this what we're gonna be seeing? for music festivals for the foreseeable future. This half-baked, try to get as many artists as possible go in big, a short go big amount go of time. Home. Yeah, like, what do you think it's going to look like? I think we're going to see a couple of these big productions get announced and be underwhelming for a little while because, mm-hmm. like, like, these promotion companies have been shut down for so long. Like, they've been shut down for two years. Right. And they're trying to, you know, make some money. So they're putting, like, they're trying to put together these extravagant, huge things that everybody wants to go to once the pandemic's over. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's, like, they just can't. Like, there's no way that you can make that work. So they're overreaching because yeah. they want to go big right away. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The, a lot of people that 
that I, like the videos and responses that I've I've seen about the concert in general are like for what they're planning to do, three days is what they should do. Yeah. Mm. And that was the other weird thing is so they announced this it was one day. They were like, yeah, we're doing this one-day thing, These this massive amount of bands that haven't even played together. Like, a lot of them haven't played together in years. Uh, and it's one day. And everybody was like, well, that seems a little fishy. So they announced a second day. But every band is playing on both days. Like, I, I didn't hear that. Both wow. day, Yeah, they opened up a second day, but both days are identical, just so they can double ticket sales. Because the, that's the other thing. The festival sold out so fast. Yeah. Because people Because FOMO, right? I'm flattered. Yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, the price, too, wasn't that bad. It was No, like, but like I think I think a lot of that is people buying tickets and be like, I'm going to see what happens, and then I'm going to sell these for a shitload. Yeah. Mm. 100%. Yeah. Because this is going to be like the event of, yeah. the, of the 2020s. There's like, going to be a ton of tickets. Yeah. What, good or bad, this is going to be like the event. Yeah. yeah. You want to be there, even if it sucks. What happened in 2020? COVID happened. <laughs> we Were Young concert happened. 2022. Yeah. No, like the 2020s. Oh. oh yeah. Man, we're only in the third, what is it, third year now. I feel like we're going to have something way better later on. Yeah, I mean, if this is where we're starting, like... I mean, it's a rough start to the decade, but I, I think we'll turn it around. Yeah. I think that uh, we've got something good coming. I hope maybe. so. Maybe. I don't yeah. know. We're running out of really old celebrities that are dying, so... It's true, yeah. Right on the gems. Okay. So, now this brings me to another point. Because we live in this super sped-up world that we have to see everything as quickly as possible, is that... Do we do they think that they are trying to, you know, fit that TikTok niche where you just see as many it's bands as It's just like a rapid can. fire. Just a bands. rapid fire... Of yeah, music? like, like ADD attention kind of like yeah. instant gratification. Is that uh, what they're that going That might for? have something to do with it. I wish I could believe that they were thinking of it that way, but I I genuinely think that they're just reaching for the stars, hmm. and it's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. I imagine them just, every band is just on a con- giant conveyor belt, yeah. and they just, are sl- it's like a parade, they slowly rotate them down the line. <laughs> it's... It's going to be brutal, no matter what it is. Maybe they'll have like a really cool stage, like a Lazy Susan, so it just rotates. Everything's yeah. already set up, and it just turns. <laughs> and you can be in any direction and listening to a band. You're just going to hear every other band at the same time. <laughs> that would be so chaotic, but I bet you there's people that would love that. Every once in a while, the lyrics and the beat will line up, and then it yeah. won't anymore. <laughs> it's like when you're driving, and you're listening to a song, and the wiper blades match up. Exactly. Oh. That's exactly what yes. it's like. Or the blinker. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love that. I feel like that's uh, some kind of serendipity type thing. Though, it is. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah. But also there's this innate beat to the universe. Wow. It's yeah. dancing to the beat of your own drum. <laughs> and the window wipers. <laughs> true enough. True enough. What was the last music festival you went to? Have you ever been to a music festival? I've never gone to a... Well, <laughs> unless you count... Unless you count a little thing that was called YC in uh, in Alberta, it stood for Youth Conference. It's like a youth church thing. Okay. So, like a bunch of Christian bands would go to this thing, and there'd be like a Creed. church service every night. <laughs> not not quite that caliber, <laughs> but well, it was actually like it's a lot. Creed of, too high for this? 
Oh yeah. Oh okay. Creed is big. Ooh, man. Okay. Yeah, Creed, Creed is, is the Nickelback of Christian rock. Whoa. What? Wait. Well, in terms in terms of notoriety, that's not good notoriety though. In terms of uh, like being well known. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I want to continue that, but do we? <laughs> do you think that we hate on Nickelback for a reason? Or do is is that done now? Can we stop hating on Nickelback? There's there's I'm not legitimately some some good uh, songs they have that are that still hold up. That's what I've always well, felt. Yeah, I mean they write music for the radio, and I, I actually watched an interview with Chad Kroger where he talked about it. Uh, I mean he talked about it in the context of trash talking another musician. I can't remember who he was trash talking. That seems like a bad idea. He was trash talking another musician for trash talking Nickelback for writing radio friendly music. Like in in opposition to what as a radio friendly music. Well, so that something is. That? So I think I think it means that something is more meaningful to you, yeah. to, to you that you're trying to express, as opposed to some, like he's writing music so that it will be popular, oh. rather than writing like honest art. That's quote, every quote. artist, isn't it? No, not necessarily. Well, oh, sorry, I I should preface that not every artist writes a banger that they just want to have on the radio and make a bunch of money, but a lot of them do. Yeah, and I'm but I mean that's the thing is it's it's a separate craft, right? Like writing music for the sake of writing something honest that speaks to people and writing music so that it can become massive and be played every 15 minutes on the radio. Those are both equally important, but very different skills. Mm -hmm. And Nickelback is on the side of writing songs for the radio and whoever he was talking about. I can't even remember who it was. I feel like the, the, the dichotomy between that is kind of, I've, in my opinion, null and void when you consider that some people write music and don't perform it like they, they take a written music that isn't theirs oh yeah and perform it but that's very like, common because i know exactly that's what i mean like it's it i don't see that there should be a differentiation uh, a differentiation a differentiation thank you between that because it's a it's it's all an expression of something whether it speaks to somebody or not like if it's yeah. gonna be played on the radio it's it's somebody's enjoying it yeah, yeah. i don't think yeah the writing process should really factor in as much no, as, as much as much as some people think it does it's just a different process is yeah, all it is exactly. like you're you're picking from this small pot of chord progressions you're picking that out and then you're kind of throwing darts at likable topics yeah like looking at photographs from your youth thinking about how look, look the good times photograph. were exactly <laughs> look yeah. at this graph there, there there is an art to like writing a relatable song that speaks to a generation of people Sure. Well, I I would use the example of Taylor Swift on that. I mean, she and I have a hard time believing that she writes all her own stuff. Yeah, but I also, she also is great at writing uh, a song that speaks from the heart. But also, you know, girls love to sing. Yeah, you know, uh, red and uh, you know, uh, what's that? Is it twenty three? Twenty two. Twenty two and. Uh, Teardrops on my guitar. All all her songs, all her hit songs are they're you know, they mean something to her, but they also are very likable on the radio. Yeah. Well that's the thing. I I think that even a lot of people that like write heartfelt songs, you know, that are expressing something they feel mm-hmm. still as they're writing it, throw in stuff that's gonna be popular because they you know, it needs something. It needs a little a little jeuze. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I remember hearing this uh, interview from a singer once, and basically he says, you 
write your songs and then you sit in a room and your producers and the guys that run your record deal sit in the other room and then you come out after a couple hours and you play them a song that you just wrote and they're like yes that's going to be a hit or no go back in essentially is how it works and they basically just do that over and over until you come out with a hit song that people are going to love and you're going to make millions on well that plus there's like a factory of ghostwriters in the music industry. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Where, like, any producer who has any success in whatever the musical equivalent of Hollywood is uh, has, like, already has hundreds of songs written that they're just kind of mixing and matching to artists mm. that match that brand. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What was that? Uh, Jewel. She wrote a ton of songs for other artists yeah. before she actually made it on her own. Yeah. yeah. And then she lost everything and then went on her own again. And yeah. Family Family Guy did a really funny episode uh about Anne Murray. Oh yeah. Anne Murray and, rocks. And, well no, exactly. Like it, it's a really good song, but it was it was a kind of about like uh about the, the the core of the point of the joke in the story was that it can mean something different to everybody. So whether you like it for like a poppy feel or you you're seeing a deeper meaning in it, it doesn't really matter because it's it's all subjective. Yeah, that's what music is. Music is art, and art is subjective. That's how it works. All I'm saying is, I feel like it's time to move away from just, hey, what's that band everyone hates? Oh, Nickelback. You know, just get over it, folks. People like Nickelback. I like Nickelback. Find a different band to hate on. Like, they've done their time. It's ridiculous. That's just me. Everyone's going to keep hating on Nickelback, though. They will. What I say doesn't matter. We always need... A scapegoat. Like, we always need somebody to point to. Yeah. Like, we need an example of bad music. (laughs) And I will say that Chad Kroger's voice is incredibly annoying to me. Really? Which is a big part of it. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Some of their songs, though, to be fair, like, I'm not, uh, by any means, uh, I'd say a fan of Nickelback, but some of their songs go pretty hard. Like, they're pretty good. But that's the other thing, is, like, they've written, like, every genre of music yeah too. exactly like, it's, they've it's, written country they've written hard rock they've written like poppy or stuff yeah like mm. they've you can find something in, in the repertoire they've just been around long enough that they've covered everything interesting yeah, yeah. okay i don't i don't think you should, i don't think they should be faulted for no that. no they do but they, do. they should be pointed to as an example of like <laughs> here's a band who covers all the genres and does pretty well but they're known for just kind of covering all the genres yeah There's definitely lessons to be learned of what not to do. Yeah. I mean, you can either be, uh, what's the saying? A jack of all trades. Master of none. Master of none. That's Nickelback. Like, they just dip their toes in every musical pot that they can. But they're never going to really master anything. They're just going to write just okay music for their entire careers. And I think they're okay with that. I mean, I've seen Chad Kruger's house. It ain't bad. It ain't bad. I've also seen his house. Yeah, I've driven by it too. Yeah. Okay, nice. all right. Conspiracy <laughs> theory for you. Do we, any of us here, believe that Avril Lavigne is, actually got replaced by a clone? I haven't read that much on that one, but it, no. <laughs> I mean, I don't think I can believe that. Because I think the story goes that there was a point where she totally changed her appearance and image and voice, essentially. Yeah. And then that everyone thinks that she either died or was went away. Yeah. 
and then somebody else took her place. I'm definitely not familiar enough with her body of work. I, I would to, say that uh, too. I've heard the the theory because yeah. it's more of a it's more of a meme at this point. I, I it think. is, but every conspiracy is a meme. But uh, I, I have heard that, and I don't know enough about her work to be like you. Yeah. Know, you can clearly see her, see at this oh, point after and this their point, Green album, everything went downhill. Yeah, when she, when she married some forty one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> she's she's not the only one that. The, like that's a conspiracy theory for either like there's the Paul McCartney one too Paul McCartney? yeah people thought that Paul McCartney died or was it John Lennon? it was John Lennon uh, I feel like you could have a good argument it was, one of, them. it was one of them it was definitely Paul McCartney because like a big signpost that people point to when they talk about that one is on the cover of Abbey Road where they're all walking across right. the street the famous album cover I know it uh, Paul McCartney's not wearing any shoes okay there's also I mean and I mean that's enough apparently there's also one of the Beatles songs uh, you can hear one of the other members whisper I think it's on Abbey Road you can hear one of the members whisper Paul is dead I, I've heard that theory I have not listened for that particular yeah. moment in the song that even might be I could be misremembering it that might be if you play one of the songs backwards you hear John whisper, Paul is dead. Yeah. To me, that's like a Mandela effect. I, like, I've heard that, but I don't know if that's true. Yeah. I feel like that's probably something that did happen. The the thing on the recording. Yeah. But man, I get why you would want to be, pretend to be Paul McCartney, but he's not a very good looking guy. No, uh, yeah. I mean, I think he's aged well. He's rich, though. Yeah, uh, that's, that's true. That's, I, think, I think that's the point. He's rich. Yeah. That's true. But when Abbey Road came out, I mean, they were—I mean, they were at the peak of their career. I would say they're the biggest band in the world. They are, but were they the big that big when Abbey Road came out? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. I'm not sure. I haven't studied the Beatles in ages. Hmm. I still got to watch that docu series that came out. There was a controversy about that. A controversy about the docu series? Um, sorry, no. The movie yesterday. Oh yeah. Sorry, I want to watch the docu series. Yeah. Um, but there was a controversy. A bunch of fans are suing the company that made that movie. Why? Because uh, there was an actress, Anna Ferris or Davis or something like that. Okay. I don't remember her name. Sorry, folks. I don't remember her name. But she was in the movie. And she was prominently displayed in the trailers for the film. And then they cut all of her scenes from the movie. Oh, yeah. That happens a lot, though. But now the fans are all suing. It's like a $5 million lawsuit or something like that because they went to see the movie and they didn't see the actress that they wanted to see. That will never go through. Was it because no. she played a, like a pivotal character in the story? <sighs> but it's not I, even the Beatles? It's not even a... No, well, it's not a movie about the Beatles, though. That movie is like... It's the one where like this guy hits his head and then he wakes up the next morning and nobody knows oh, who okay. the Beatles are. And yeah, yeah, so okay. he takes credit for all the Beatles. Songs. I've seen this trailer. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's weird then. Yeah, because that also happened with uh, one of the X-Men movies. One of the newer ones. Which one was it? Uh, the Jean Grey one was the newest one. That Not that one. The it was like... One. It was one of the... It was maybe... Days of Apocalypse. Apocalypse. It actually might have been Days of Future Past. Great movie. Where Rogue was supposed to be in it, but wasn't. But she was like in a bunch of the trailers and stuff. She was just cut from the movie. Wasn't she in like the Flash... Like the Flash 40 part of it? I thought I Rogue don't was in that movie. I thought she was. Irregardless. I could be wrong. So... 
what do we... Th- yeah. So basically people are upset because they're suing because they wanted an act to see an actress or actor in a film that they went and saw, but they got cut from the movie. Yeah. How do we feel about that? It's dumb. It's it's not unheard of though. Like I've heard yeah. of that, but like it, it won't go anywhere. No. They'll just release it. Do you mean it. it's They'll not re- unheard of for that, that, people to be outraged? Yeah. Oh. It, I mean, it, it happens. It's not yeah. super common, but like... I don't, it's not going to go anywhere. They'll they'll release a director's cut or something like that, and, and people Maybe, will be fine. Yeah, that's what happened with whatever X Men movie I'm thinking of. Like, yeah, they released the Rogue cut, yeah. where it was the movie with Rogue scenes. Anna Diarmas, sorry, that was her name. Oh, she was supposed to be in that movie. She was in the movie, and then they cut her scenes. Oh, weird. Two fans have filed a consumer protection class action lawsuit, <laughs> alleging what it terms deceptive, misleading advertising. Uh, they each spent approximately four dollars to watch the film, and uh, now Not they're suing. Four dollars. They just rented it on Prime, <clears throat> and however, the movie fails to include any appearance of Anna De Armas whatsoever. Accordingly, defendants' advertising and promotion of the movie is false, misleading, and deceptive. This is not news, folks. No. no. This is ridiculous. That's pretty dumb. You can just not waste time suing them and... Uh... Just watch a different Ana de Armas movie. <laughs> if you want to see Ana de Armas so bad, watch Blade Runner. Uh, is she in Blade Runner? Yeah, she's the big uh, naked robot lady. <sighs> Such a good movie. Yeah. Have it was like seen... 2049. Oh, not I haven't seen that one. one. Sorry. Not the, yeah. I was like, she's way too yeah. young to be in She's also Blade the Runner. Bond girl in the newest Bond movie. Also, I haven't seen that one. She, she's been in a lot. She's yeah all over the place lately. So do you think that we live in a world... Oh, she was the robot in Ex Machina. Also a great movie. Yeah. I have not seen that yet. Those are three movies that we all should watch. Blade Runner 2049, Ex I Machina... It, I watched it recently on Netflix. What was it on what, Which what one? we just said? Blade Runner? Yeah, the new, the new Blade Runner. Yeah. It was pretty good. Yeah. People loved it. It wasn't critically held up very well, and it didn't make that much money, but people loved it. Yeah, big with big with the audience, for sure. Yeah. That director is amazing. Isn't that a Denis, Denis Villeneuve? Denis Villeneuve, yeah. yeah. So good. Yeah. Dune, everything. Oh, I haven't seen Dune yet, also but I've seen, seen all of his other movies, and yeah, he's What else incredible. has he done? Uh, Arrival. Oh, right. Uh, no, we talked about this last week. Yeah, yeah. we've talked about him on the like, yeah. movie episode about yeah. a lot of his good stuff. Okay. Arrival, Enemy, like all, all these. Yeah. Go see his stuff, folks. And if you disagree with us, you can email us at themodernrusticpodcast at gmail.com if you have any comments. Or... or Sorry, <laughs> I Go was going to do the bit from last week. Or DM us on Instagram. Oh, at the Modern Rustic yeah. Podcast. Yeah. DM us as well. But uh, circling back, I don't back even to... know if our DMs are open on Instagram. Sorry, they, go they, ahead. They will be now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> circling, circling back to the uh, James Bond, like I recently just saw, I watched it. I recently saw a headline that the the director had alternate endings to it as well. Oh yeah. To the newest Bond movie. Yes. Yeah. Because it's it's the final Daniel. It's Daniel, Daniel Craig's last one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I won't spoil anything, but, uh, yeah, so, like, I'd be interested to see what the alternate endings were. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not that familiar with the Bond franchise. I don't know how familiar oh, you guys are with Love it. it. So, with, uh, with the recent ones, very. The, so I'm talking more about the old ones. When I, they I switched, ones. when they switched actors, it wasn't like, like, they were switching actors, that was a decision, right? <coughs> no. So, the way the... Bond has always existed. The like the idea of the first movie, which I believe was I believe the first one they adapted was Casino Royale, like the original one. Oh yeah. No, the first Bond movie was Doctor No. Was it Doctor No? Yeah. Okay. 
one of the first ones, which was Casino Royale, was the idea... You didn't know who Bond was, I think, in that movie originally. It could have been anybody mm-hmm. that was James Bond. Okay. Uh, and I think that's kind of like the premise they, they went with as far as like casting, is that they'll, they'll do stints of an actor. Right. And then the idea is that they can change it, they can change it up and modernize it because anybody can be James Bond. Exactly. Okay. So, so the the, yeah. the title 007 can be anybody. Right, yeah. Yeah, I understand that. But I the just... name James Bond can also be anybody. Yeah. Which now we come to the issue because now they want a female James Bond. Well, they like they always talk about this whenever they do. somebody says they're not going to do a certain series of movies. It's like yeah. they're going to gender bend it, they're going to race bend I, it. I think they should. Yeah, Honestly, they could. I think I think they should have done it sooner because like, they, they were going to do it originally when Daniel Craig quit. Yeah, and then now they they waited like five or six years, and then Daniel mm-hmm. Craig did one more, right, to kind of finish it off and yeah. also get a paycheck. Yeah, <laughs> I always liked the idea of Idris Elba as Bond. He's in the running. Yeah, he's well, really he's old too old now. now. Yeah, they it's, yeah they they always put him up there. They put him up front on like the news headlines because I've read a bunch of articles like who's going to be the next Bond? Yeah, who's it going to be? Tom Hardy. Idris Elba, <laughs> all these people, you know, Henry Cavill, and basically people want Henry Cavill or Tom Hardy. And people I don't want, want Tom Hardy for literally anything. Which I'm not which I'm not opposed to yeah. because Tom Hardy is probably my favorite actor. So he Pretty is great. phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think he should be James Bond. If you guys were in charge of casting Bond, who would you pick? Oh man. Maybe the guy from Game of Thrones. Um, the the one in, in Eternals. Uh, oh, Steve Madden. That's a pretty good. Pick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the guy who plays Rob Stark, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So him. That'd be a good. One. Or yeah. uh, Mike, if you have something, jump in. Um, oh, about, I, I know what my answer is. Already. How about Timothy Chalamet? <laughs> oh gosh, can we not? <laughs> Only because he's in every movie. I'm now. sorry, I didn't know James Bond went to high school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that James was, Bond that is was, now 14 years old that, want, that was the cartoon in the 90s James Bond Jr. I want another oh, James Bond movie I that's don't right. want another Alex Ryder movie okay because those were terrible Alex Ryder yeah actually they only made one Alex Ryder movie and it sucked you have an answer for who you pick for Bond who yeah. is it who is it uh, I won't spoil anything but there is uh, a character in the new James Bond that I think would do a really good job oh like make it a different character in the movie like yes, okay. So someone, so, someone that's in. been established. Yes, I kind of want to know. Like you know, who the actor is. Is it a well-known actor or no? I don't know their name, but you probably oh. would recognize them if you saw their face and a few like okay. a few things. Yeah, I think that it should be a totally unknown. Bring in somebody yeah. totally new, unfre- You know, maybe they've done some minor stuff, but bring in yeah, someone fresh. Like maybe not unknown, but like I, I don't think they'll not... do for, with something as big as James Bond franchise. They won't do it. They un- won't and unknown. But I want them to. But Daniel Craig wasn't super well known. He was well known enough. He had done a, a, quite a few. Yeah, but he wasn't a household name like he is now. No, but you never are until you're Bond. Yeah. Right. Who knew who uh, Timothy Dalton was? Right. Who knew who yeah. Pierce Brosnan was? I mean, Pierce Brosnan was yeah. kind of, but him and Sean still. Connery were like they were already stars. Yes, but. and that's some of the. There's a lot of hotly debated discussions on a lot of James Bond stuff and Sean Connery being James Bond was one of them. A lot of people did not like it. A lot of people yeah. didn't like it. Yeah. Cause I know Pierce Brosnan is the one that people are like, that's they, the worst Bond. Yeah. Which is Pierce weird. Brosnan is the Nickelback of James. Bond. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That's a good analogy. Um, I would say, but th- people say that, but if you ask somebody like, what's your favorite 
Bond, they're probably going to say Casino Royale or Goldeneye. Yeah. Yeah, because we... And who was Goldeneye? Pierce Brosnan. It was Pierce Brosnan. It was, it was the first one, Pierce Brosnan. Yeah. yeah. No Time to Die. Yeah, uh, the other ones, there was definitely, I would say, a decline. Or sorry, no, I meant but Die like, Another Day. But, I mean, to be fair, all of them had varying degrees of quality for the yeah. the, the actors like right. doing their stints. Yeah. So, I mean, every Timothy Dalton one, every Sean Connery one was not always a winner. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. But, I mean, when you make 28, 28 now? 27? Something like that. Yeah. When you make that many movies, it's like, they're not all going to be hits. No. no. And they didn't really need to be at that point, but we now we live in this world where we Daniel Craig has been James Bond for basically an entire generation. Yeah, long time. So we, you know, I saw the Pierce Brosnan ones when I was a kid, but after that it's just all been Daniel Craig. What if it was Andrew Garfield? Isn't he? He's British. Yeah. He's British. Yeah. He's kind of older now, so you it know like what? almost he's not, fits. He's not bulky enough. If if he Daniel Craig's not bulky. He's well, fit though. He's he he fills that suit out. Have nicely. you seen his physique? He's still killing it. He's, Daniel Craig. Yeah, yeah, but he's not like like when I think bulky, I think like like big. But Daniel Craig's not like a sure. big figure. He's he's real fit, not shredded, but yeah. he's, he's real. Fit. Yeah, I want Andrew Garfield to spit into that. No, into I, that Spider-Man I, I, suit I, I was really gonna agree well. with you. I'm like, you know what, Andrew Garfield would probably be a pretty good option. Mm, I disagree. His face might be a little bit. Too I, soft. But you know what, I can see like from his like. Previous acting experience, maybe you wouldn't maybe see him in that role, but I think he could probably do it. Put him as uh, Q. That'd be pretty good. I want him as Q. He could make a good Q. He would right? make a good Q. Yeah, I like the one. I like the guy they have for Q now, though. To be honest, I like him too. Yeah, and he kind of reminds a, me of it's Andrew a sub, Yeah, it, well, he does. It's a subtle role, but I think he does a really good job. Yeah. Who's M now? Uh, it was Judy Dench who. Yeah, she died. Spoilers for like three mo- three movies ago, two movies ago. She does. She does die. She died in Skyfall, right? Yeah. yeah. And then uh, it's Ralph Fiennes, is it? It's Voldemort. Oh, Ray Fiennes. Ray Fiennes. Ray Fiennes. Ray Fiennes. Right. Yeah. He's great. Amazing. He's good too. Yeah. I think Skyfall was maybe the last one I saw because I don't think I've seen uh, Ray Fiennes. Skyfall was good. What was the one uh, before the newest one? Uh, Skyfall. Then Spectre. Spectre. Right. Yeah, What's yeah, the yeah. new one called? No Time to Die. Oh, oh no! It might have been Spectre, and then something else, and then this one. Was it? I think it's. I think Spectre was the last one. No, Spectre was the last one because there was a lot of. There was a lot of. Oh, maybe you're right. Because Spectre was originally going to be the last one for Daniel Craig, so they made a really good ending, and then they I made another one. Didn't like Spectre, they didn't. Okay. It was pretty lukewarm. Yeah, but they, they did what they did in like um, the newest Spider-Man movie where they like brought all the old villains back, kinda, and they did like a remake, kinda, sorta. <laughs> I feel like, well, again, no spoilers. They kind of do a better job of that in this one, wrapping things up mm-hmm. to like a, an overall like Daniel Craig era than than the last one. Right. But in even in Skyfall and Inspector, both those movies, they play up Daniel Craig as James Bond. He's like, oh, I'm so old. Oh, I can't do this anymore. I'm so old. Like they do that for the majority of both those movies. Right. Well, in Skyfall, like the big the opening scene is him like. Well, he, he get, spoilers in the first like two minutes of it. He gets shot and then doesn't tell anybody that he's he didn't die. Yeah, and they and they find him right. I believe oh, okay. that. I believe Is that's the beginning happened? of it. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. So I guess back to my original question was like for the older Bond movies, mm-hmm. when it was the last movie that an actor was doing Bond, was there a send off for that actor? Like, was there not a really. closing to the era? Usually not, because they 
I don't think they they normally knew like this is going to be your last one. Right. Yeah. Okay. That was it. Was, what I it thought. was always like we're going to see if we're going to do another one down the line, and then they were just replaced. Yeah. So knowing that Dan, this is Daniel Craig's last one, do they do like a like bye bye this version of James I Bond? I don't, I don't want to spoil that for you. I haven't seen it. I don't want to tell you one way or the other. Yeah. I haven't seen it, but it feels like it probably dies. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah, I'll. We could cut like I'll edit this part out, and I'll tell you if you want to know. But... I just want to know, like, because just from a storytelling standpoint, I'm curious if there's like a like a okay. Bye-bye. We'll, we'll we'll cut this part and just okay. so that we don't spoil anything or anybody. Yeah. There's it's a it's a good send off. Yeah. But I I do think that if this was just a Daniel Craig action movie and wasn't tied to James Bond, it would still be a good movie. Yeah. But for a send off, I think it's pretty apt for his character as well. Okay. Yeah. He dies, doesn't he? <coughs> I don't want to spoil anything. He dies. <laughs> he, he, well, yes, he allows himself to die. Yeah. Okay, moving on. Actually, hold on. Do you think that they have to have a British actor for James Bond? Because well, that's because the two big things right now, whenever they try and pick a new Bond, especially now with all the... how society is, they James Bond has always been... From the UK, yeah. Except for Sean Connery, and wait, that's in the UK. It's the United Kingdom, yeah. Yeah, and it always, it always a man, obviously, but, and but now they want a female, and they don't necessarily want it to be. They want an American, basically, but yeah. See, that's the thing. I think there's so many like American centric hero action movies. Exactly. Yeah. I think it's refreshing that it's. It's different, and that's that's a part of it. Like, and like the British spy genre is a thing. Like yeah, it's, like it's these very are based in, on it's, novels written by a British 100%, author. Hundred percent, exactly. and it's very indicative of like even though they're they're more modernized, like they take place in like the two thousands and all that, mm-hmm. and the more recent ones. But they're it's very has kind of an indicative feeling of like cold, yeah Cold War World War Two yeah. British spies espionage yeah, yeah it's and amazing. that's. It's easier to believe that world than it was was American Asian. Yeah, I agree. And I and I'm completely in the, on the same team as the 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 writers for the James Bond movies because they say the same thing. Uh, I don't remember what her name is, but she says, "Yeah, we're keeping it a British guy, basically, uh, for a guy from the UK, because that's who James Bond is." Basically, yeah, it it makes sense. Like, well, he wouldn't be part of MI five if he's if it's not if it's not exactly. James Bond. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Like that that makes. Like it's like you make a, a series or, or a franchise of like, uh, like a Navy SEAL. You yeah. you don't then make take, the Navy t- take, take that character and yeah and and make him you know something that he's not. Yeah, you can, yeah, exactly. He's American. That's how it works. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, yeah. So if every- it wasn't adaptations of novels, I would maybe feel differently. Like right. they did that with Doctor Who. Like the the current Doctor is yeah. a female, which yeah. is fine because like why Probably wouldn't good. they be? Well, and, even and, though it's like kind of the same mechanic, where it's like they like Doctor Who, he's not his name isn't Doctor Who, but the Doctor mm-hmm. regenerates, yeah, gets a new body. Well, because it's, so it's, it's established in the lore yeah. that that the Doctor does change forms, but it is also established in James Bond lore that James Bond can be like the code name 007 can belong to anyone. Yeah. So yeah. why not a that, female? That that's why I think that why not a female? Should. Why not like an American? I I am with you. But this is how I want it to play out. I want a uh, a a man to continue James to be James Bond in more movies. But we can also just have a really amazing female agent spy movie. Sure. 
and that we can use 007 or 006 or use whatever. 009. 009. It doesn't matter. You can't do 006 because then Goldeneye, he's the bad guy. Oh, right. It was Sean Bean. Irregardless. You can, <laughs> if they, if they want to do inclusiveness, they can just make multiple movies with multiple characters. I don't want to spoil anything. Well, I'm because there's a, a the the girl in the newest one is big into that, right? But basically, they can give her a spinoff movie and make her call her 0072, and they can also just continue with another male lead. Yeah, no reason not to. Mike is having a very hard time not talking about James Bond right All now. Right, so we on. should move on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry for that we, long... We will uh, find time, and we will watch it together, yeah. and then you'll understand. I'll have to watch Spectre first. Yeah, I yeah. agree. Spectre and No Time to Die. I don't need to watch Spectre first. <laughs> okay. Uh, if you have a heated opinion or a hot take on the James Bond and what they should do with it, folks, you can email us at themodernrusticpodcast at gmail.com. All right. And if you are James Bond and would like to sponsor this podcast, you can get us <laughs> on you uh, Instagram. Are James <laughs> Bond. <laughs> DM us on uh, Instagram and uh, let us know what you think. Uh, yeah. Or if you. Uh... No, I don't know. Retweet. We appreciate it. Yeah. Okay, moving on. Because there's something else I want to come. <sighs> All right. So I did a bunch of reading on this, and it is a serious issue. But. It is actually, I think that these topics that I always come up with, I do a bunch of research on them and I read a bunch and by the end of it, I usually have made up my mind. But sometimes I don't know and that's why I bring it to you folks, our listening audience. Do you have a stance on this one? I think I do, yes. Okay. But the more you look into it and the more you try and find both sides of the argument, it gets, always gets more complicated. Mm. Okay, so... I, I know that I haven't done this research, but I know which side I stand. And we're probably on the same side. I don't know what we're talking about. Okay, <laughs> we are going to discuss right to repair. Oh, okay. So, I this has been an issue since electronics and the invention of the microchip, essentially. But uh, companies like Apple, companies like John Deere, companies that create something electronic uh, have been... Microsoft have always kept their licenses and their patents and their technology to themselves. So instead of you being able to fix whatever you have on your own, you have to bring it to a licensed dealer like Apple and have them fix it. So there was a story I heard today about this guy who uh, wanted to replace a chip on in his iPhone. He went to the Apple store. He's like, hey, I need a new chip for this or something like that. And then they said, okay. They took a look at the phone, and they noticed this tiny little metal mesh piece that had a tiny little blemish on it. And they said, oh, we can't fix... Oh, it was an Apple Watch. Sorry, Apple Watch. And we said, we can't fix this Apple Watch. Uh, it was a battery, Sorry. The battery, the, he needed a new battery for the Apple Watch, so he went there to get a new battery for them to fix it. And then they saw this tiny little blemish on this piece in the watch, and they're like, that is a hardware issue. We cannot fix that. We have to get you a new watch. So, And he's on the hook for that. So he has to buy a new watch huh. instead of just replacing the battery, which yeah. is crazy. 
which Apple does also offer a service to soften that blow, but it's a monthly like subscription thing. Mm-hmm. Like with Apple Care, you can pay like 10, 15 bucks a month on top of your phone bill. Right. And then if anything happens, you can replace your device. Right. But like, yeah. I agree. And it and this kind of plays into the whole, you know, throwaway world that we live in, you know, they'd rather replace something than try and fix it because it's just cheaper for yeah. them. Um, yeah, it's it's the I I got a, I was taking a computer course and and the, a guy came in who ran a like computer software like sales mm-hmm. uh, place, and he analogied the advancement in technology to the toaster. I see. So it's easier to buy a new toaster than get your toaster fixed. Exactly. It's also easier to find a new toaster than find a, someone that will repair your toaster. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So computers are the same thing. Yeah, because I grew up in the age where if your TV was broken. You bring it to a guy who fixes TVs, and he fixes it. Yeah. You know? But now we live in the age where if you buy a printer, the ink that you buy for that printer is worth more than the printer. Yeah. So you're better off buying a new printer and that comes with new ink every time you run out of ink, which is crazy. Yeah. Well, that's why you go to places that refill them. Well, Ad- yeah, admi- but admittedly, not all of them can be refilled, but a lot of them can. But you still have to buy that ink. Yeah, but getting one refilled as opposed to buying a whole new one off the rack is like, it's like 25% of the cost. Right. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure about that. It, it is. I, it, I it, believe if you, if you can get one that's refillable, yeah. uh, you can spend like upwards of maybe $12 to get it refilled as opposed to like 36 Yeah, mm-hmm. I didn't even know that you could get refillable. I didn't know that you Most of them are. There are the, Nowadays, there are very few that are proprietary. Oh, cool. Mm. Yeah. I don't even own a printer anymore because it was just such a hassle to own a printer. Funny story printer recently happened is that my dad got me a printer last year for Christmas. Yeah. Uh, hadn't opened it. And last week they asked, hey, do you still have that printer? And I gave it to them unopened. And I'm like, here, you can just have it. They're like, okay, we'll give you a gift card for it. I'm like, thanks. You gave this to me a year ago. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> but back to the right to repair. Yeah. Because so it is interesting. Yeah. But we, this is an issue with anything electronic. Tractors, cars, appliances, household appliances, computers, everything. So, uh, because I still know when my washing machine breaks, I still call a guy to come fix my washing machine. Yeah. And a lot, about half the time, and he's told me this a couple times, about half the time he goes to calls, he's, he takes one look at it and he says, buy a new one. Because it usually is going to cost two three hundred dollars to fix it or get the piece in or whatever it is and a lot of a couple of the brands if you have uh let's say a samsung uh washing machine it's really hard to get parts for those yeah i think yeah i think it depends on the parts because like some of the newer ones like you're talking about the samsung ones yeah have like onboard computer chips and stuff Mm -hmm. if you have to replace the whole thing of that it it can be expensive and you have to have somebody that knows how to do that exactly as opposed to if it's like if it's like a software issue, then that's something that somebody can service, and mm-hmm. that's a lot more affordable. Right. So I understand what you're saying, but like, depending on like how advanced your appliances are, uh, it is more feasible because like, do you know how to solder and circuit a motherboard into a into a laundry? No, but Washer. there are a lot of people that do. There's not a lot. There's not a lot of people. That there's do. a lot of people that know how to solder. But like. If you're, give, if you're if you just give somebody a motherboard and say put this in my washer and dryer, they're gonna look at you and be like, "I've never done that before." But 
most appliances don't come with just like a like a motherboard with no ports on it. Like, well, no, but like usually, if you have to replace like a control module, it has ports on it, so they're kind of just plug and play. Mm. The problem is that right now there's like a there's a processor shortage. Yes. So a friend of mine actually recently his uh, his oven stopped working, mm. and he was like taking it apart. He called a couple repair guys, and they were like. Yeah, I mean, if it's the control board, like, you might just want to buy a new stove because we're looking at 12 to 18 months for a new part. Exactly. Whereas we could get you a new stove tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. So, that, yeah, that's kind of one I wanted, why I wanted to bring this up now because with all the shortages that we are seeing over the past year and right now, the right to repair is going to be even more important because people are going to want to be able to try and fix it themselves because it's way cheaper and it's... And if you can get the parts, and if you know what the issue is, then that's way better, right? Yeah, I, I think there's an important aspect to the right to repair as well that we should, that I want to mention, is that like with companies like John Deere and Apple, mm. the big issue is that doing your own repairs voids your warranty. Yes. So like, if you buy a John Deere tractor, you could buy a lifetime warranty, but if you mm. try to fix your own tractor yourself, yes. your warranty is void. Yeah, same with which, Apple products. Which, on its surface, sounds shitty for the consumer, but at the same time, it I think it protects the company in a lot of ways, like it, in a smart way. Because like, if you try and fix your tractor, and you either cause an, another problem, or you don't, or you don't fix it, and, or make it worse, you're then going to go to John Deere and be like, "You sold me this shitty thing that now doesn't work in two different ways." Right, yeah. and they're going to be like, "Well." You know, if you had gotten the extended warranty, we could have just given you a new one. Yeah. You know, and but now you're blaming us for not only the problem that initially happened, but now this other one that you caused. Right. Which, yeah. Which is beyond normal wear and tear, which a lot of places will cover normal wear and tear. But if you're talking about, like, you stuck a screwdriver in the wrong spot and <laughs> stripped something. Yeah. That's not their fault. No. Yeah. It, it's, it's, I think eventually we're going to get to a point with technology where you're going to be able to, like, plug and play into your your oven and your stove the actual like a unit that is the control box mm. as opposed to like taking it apart going inside attaching parts yeah yes yes and no for sure i and the and the whole the tractor and farming aspect is, is a different ball game in my opinion because and i'm not saying that farmers are more important than other industries that require well i mean that require. Yeah, you are. I am, but it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Thank the farmer, folks, if you ate today. Uh, but, you know, if you are... I ate a farmer's food today. What do you mean? I ate your food. Oh, yeah. It was delicious. <laughs> uh, so, but if, you know, the whole thing with John Deere is that you have to get a licensed John Deere guy to come out to where you are or bring your thing to him, whatever you need fixed. And all he does is take his little data pad, plug it into the tractor, and say, okay, fixed. Sure, yeah. but like he to be licensed, he had to pay for the software, pay for the pad, and, and pay the, the for the training how to how to do that. Yes. From John Deere. So I agree with you that it's she that's that that's what somebody else has to come in just to do something simple like that. Mm -hmm. But like you wouldn't know how to do that on your own. Well you can learn. And it's not from, from, as, who, from who? who? It's not as difficult as you might think. But who are you going to learn that from? Well, well, that's the thing is you can't like you, you, you would learn that by paying John Deere to take it. Yeah, job. exactly. True. And this guy does it, and now that is his job. Yeah, right. That's the thing about like 
like that's kind of the argument against the right to repair is mm-hmm. that when you have a, a system that's as closed off as like a John Deere tractor, for example, uh, and you can like have your own licensed technicians, that creates a lot of jobs. It does, but this also brings up my other point because now we've got everybody scrounging for work for workers. You know, every place that does repairs needs more workers. Yeah, and that's just the simple answer. So, to have to be in the middle of harvest season, your your combine breaks down in the middle of the field. Your your John Deere repair guy is a ha- an hour and a half away. There's not anybody available at the time, so you're sitting there for a day, two days maybe, before this guy can come out, plug in this little computer, clear the codes, and go home. Yeah. So, so let me ask you: if, if you had to guess, how often would something like that happen to an average farmer? Ah, uh, at least probably once a season, probably. Okay, so four or five times a year, maybe. Yeah, probably. So, maybe. if it's if it's that bad. And that costly for you, you should go pay John Deere to train you how to do that so you can do it. Right. Because then you can also do that to for and service yourself out to other farmers that you know that are in the same situation. Yes, and there are obviously guys that do that. You've got moonlighters, you've got uh, But like but like you're saying, your your point is that you should be able to do it yourself. Yes. I'm saying there is an option that you could to, to do that, I then. don't think that it quite works that way, though. Like, I don't think that just anybody can go and become a John Deere licensed technician no. and then, like, just work on their own tractor because that kind of defeats the purpose, right? Like, if it was that easy, everybody would do it. And that's the thing. That's why John Deere. I, I don't know if everybody would do it because some people, some farmers, are going to be like, "Well, I don't have time, yeah, to go and do that," or I don't have you know the extra manpower while I'm going and training to still be doing everything else that I should be doing. Yeah. Mm. So those that can fit that in, I don't know. Yeah. We should have John Deere on and ask him. Yeah, that's true. I yeah. would actually, John Deere, I would actually you're listening right now. <laughs> I would actually like to get an answer from that. Maybe like send John Deere an email and be like, is this a thing? I uh, have a family member who works for a John Deere dealership. He's, he's a mechanic. Sounds like there. somebody that would know. I should answer. ask him about it. I, actually, it never occurred to me to ask him about like the whole John Deere thing. Because yeah. they had a big strike, too, a little while ago, which was yeah. big. But I, that was res- it's resolved now. Did I ever tell you about the Kellogg strike? I don't think you did. Okay, I'll tell you about it later. But anyways, back to John Deere. I just, it's, it's a really tough... It, Can you, you know, write down Kellogg's strike? Because yes, that's going to be so yeah. frustrating for the listener if we don't talk about it on this episode. <laughs> I don't. It'll be nice. I don't know everything about the Kellogg strike, but it's just very annoying to me. Irregardless, I I see what you're saying, Mike, but I still think that if the farmer has to sit around for a day and wait for this guy to just come out to his field and just plug in, why can't he just? And there's tons of guys out there already that they just have a a black market hacked version then, of what's the problem then well because well they, then the warranty's b- void sure but like if that's your only problem then and you have the means of, of having this hacked version of the thing then you're already agreeing that your time and money is is a better investment in doing it your yourself than paying somebody and waiting so you're already equating that waiting a day and paying a guy to come out and do it is more costly than having this black market thing doing yourself. So that 
should balance out any other problems that would be covered by warranty that you would need to get service as well. A little bit. Maybe not entirely, but... I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. But I'm not saying that they... I'm All I think they should do is John. you should be allowed to buy John Deere's software. Yeah, I, I think you should be able to buy their software and their training and do it yourself. Yeah. So you do, think you do, should do, have... Do you know that you can't So you do think that? we should have the right to report? <laughs> do, you, yes. do you know that you can't... Call yes, them up right now. You pay, can't. pay them and become a licensed repair guy. If you be, if you are a become a salesman and a dealer for John Deere, you can. It's only salesmen and dealers that. Yeah, you have to be a dealer at John Deere. Yeah, you better make some friends with some dealers. <laughs> that sounds. Z- shady. Zach knows one. That sounds shady. Uh, <laughs> it, d- does it sound shady? Because well, I, oh, I'm friends with dealers. Oh. But yeah, no, I, I, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. It sounds like smart networking, to be honest. This doesn't sound shady at all. No, no, no. I just, the way you said it was funny. Uh, yeah. I, ah, man. Now that, you fight, now that you're fighting me on this, I, I'm backing down. You make some good points, for sure. So I'm just so clear. You are sure that it's only dealers and... Yeah, you have to be a licensed John Deere technician to be able to have access to the software to be able to clear codes and see issues. Okay. But there is a back channel way to do it, is what you're saying as well. There's an illegal way to do it, yeah. Which voids your warranty. Which would void your warranty. Right. Yes. So, is it illegal or is it just void your warranty? Uh, Both, I'm pretty sure. Because, like, you can void your warranty. It's your property. You can void your own warranty. And honestly, a lot of guys get, like, you know, two-year, three-year, four-year warranties, and then it's whatever. Yeah. Because, because the cost analysis is, after four years, if something critical goes wrong, I can just buy a new one. Like, that's that same kind of yes. cost evaluation to time thing, as opposed to, like, the guy coming, waiting a day, having a guy come and do it. Right. Or having a back channel way to do it that's cheaper. I get what you're saying, but, like, I'm just trying to play devil's advocate. And, no, I and agree. I, 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 I understand like your, your point. I want this. I want this. Push me on it. Because then I know what holes to fill next time on my arguments. Interesting. I don't I just, I feel like I'm old-fashioned. You know, Going back to the the appliances, it's like I should be able to fix my own appliances. There shouldn't be, uh, you know, I should be able to fix. If you own something, if you bought that tractor or that washing machine or that computer or that microwave or that toaster or that iPad, you should have full reign to do whatever you want with that. Sure, and y- you you do, but it costs you warranted coverage. Because you can go and say, the battery in my Apple iPod, my, you know, my MacBook is, right. is shot. Take it to them. It's it's out of warranty. They're right. going to tell me to buy a new one. Yeah. Or I can spend the cost of a new battery and do it myself. But you, you're going to find for some things like that, the battery is like half of the cost of the laptop. Not always, but mm. sometimes. Usually laptop batteries are cheaper, but I don't know about MacBooks, so. Uh, I was just trying to find some information on how to become a John Deere technician. A little bit hard to find. I did find out that a John Deere technician is a two-year associate's degree. So your call to action to tell Russell to just go become one is a little bit more involved. Well, okay, that's what I wasn't sure. Like, do you have to be, like, a seller and dealer, or is it a training thing that you could take? Well, it that's looks like anybody sure. can do it, but it's a two-year associate degree. Like, okay. that's a lot of schooling. Um, second of I'm all... I'm sure there's a lot to learn, too, though, for it. Yeah. Second of all, I couldn't really, again, find concrete information about uh, about this, but from what I'm reading, it sounds like 
a John Deere technician doesn't own the computers that they use to read codes on John Deere tractors. I wouldn't. I wouldn't think so. The dealership owns it, and they take it out. So yeah, I, I kind of. I it's not even it. like again, like saying to Russell, "Go get a two years associate's degree, and then just still work at your farm." It's like you well, still no, have to well, have no, a job. But like, with but John like Deere. he said that he could, he, like it, there exists black market, you know, pad, yeah. pads that you could do yourself if yeah. you know how to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you have the training. You don't have to go to a dealer and sign out their their pad to do it. You yeah. can you can have a back channel way that's cheaper and buy your own. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that stuff must exist, but I don't know. It do, I mean, there's it, it's obviously market. yeah, there's obviously a, a big time investment for two years of having to learn because I'm sure there's a lot to learn how to Definitely. fix a tractor from yeah. from you know mm-hmm. a specific kind of so, tractor that uses propi- proprietary parts, and absolutely software and all that. Yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah, yeah, I yeah. Do you want to repair some tractors around that people that you know are having trouble? Well, two, two years probably that's the thing because it probably I, pays pretty well. I know a guy, and he fiddled with his tractors, and he made them go faster. But now their warranty is voided, and there's a bunch of controversy going on with that. So it's just interesting that, yeah, I, I don't know how I feel about this stuff. I, I'm honestly leaning more towards what you're saying now, Mike, because. If the only thing you lose is your warranty, then it's not. Then you kind of are on the hook for that. Well, once you own, like when you buy something and you own it, the warranty only exists to protect the company from you doing something to it and being like, uh, "Your product is defective. This shouldn't have happened." Right. Whereas if you are opening it and making adjustments and changes, you can't then be like, I made my tractor faster. These nuts and bolts have been stripped and the wheels don't fit anymore because they've been dislodged. It's your fault. Well, yeah, but anything, no, like but any just, repair like that is like, I mean, that's the thing. Like, but that's what they exist for. That's what the warranties exist for. So we get you, your point, but there are so many companies that operate with warranties perfectly fine. While people are allowed to do whatever they want on their thing, because there's certain things that void your warranty, and there's certain things that don't. Absolutely, there's no reason that a farmer should lose a day of work because their tractor had an engine code on it and couldn't run until the John Deere technician could come out and exactly. and clear the code when sure. the code was nothing. Yeah. Well, you assume the code's nothing. Maybe the code is but telling you that there is a, he- a heating problem. Or a lot of times, there's a code and it's just nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. Which also brings up another interesting thing that I read about in that. A lot of times, uh, especially for John Deere tractors and other tractors as well, you will get a code, and it's to do with your emissions code. Yeah. And if you ignore that code, then you are running your tractor not as uh, environmentally efficient as it was before. Yeah. And most farmers, at if you're in the middle of harvest season, don't really care. Yeah. So, and that's why they get their own pads and their own software and be like okay hey it's just an uh an emissions code we can ignore it for now and we can fix sure. it later yeah i agree with that yeah one of the things that i was reading when i was trying to find some stuff on it was uh there was a farmer in alberta who uh his john deere tractor threw a code so he parked it he didn't have another tractor he could use at the time so he called john deere they couldn't send a technician out for two days so full day of work gone Mm-hmm. Uh, he estimated that he lost $20,000 because he couldn't scan his own code. Yeah. It's a what, day what was in the, the heat of the season? Code, though? Uh, like nothing. Like it was literally he scanned the code. He said, uh, you don't have to worry about this. Cleared the code. Sent him on his way. Yeah. 
But he felt better putting the tractor away just in case it was something more severe because he couldn't even see what it was to tell if sure. it was something right. severe. But, like, you're given a code book, right? So if it gives you, like, code 001, you know that it's... It doesn't give you... It's like when you're driving your car, your check engine light comes on. There's, like, 300 different codes that that sure. check engine light could mean. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, but it doesn't I, tell you what yeah, the code it is. Doesn't, it doesn't indicate right. what, what the code but, is related to when you when you have the problem uh, with that? Not usually, no. Okay. But it, it all depends on what it is. But it's like just what Zach said, right? If your car, your check engine light comes on, and you can buy a code reader at bucks. the store, cheap, and yeah. it'll tell you exactly what's wrong. Yeah. So why can't we have that for tractors? With this one, spe- well, this one specific make of tractor. It's yeah. not even tractors. It's John Deere tractors. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, I agree with them. Then that should, that should be available. Yeah. yeah. Whether you buy it from John Deere for whatever amount. Just to read the code, so you know, is it is it a heating thing? Is it you right? Know, yeah, but whatever. Like, as it stands right now, you can't even do that with your John Deere tractor. I agree. I agree that that's yeah. that's pretty and pretty yeah ineffective. And I watched a couple of videos on this, and basically, there's there's over twenty states now that have uh, brought in right to repair legislation for their states because they think it's great that they want to excuse me help local companies right and local farmers and local everything, but. Basically, when they show up to argue these points in court and get it processed, John Deere shows up, Apple shows up, Microsoft shows up, and actively tries to shut them down. Yeah. And to me, that's shady. Yeah. Well, I mean, because they want to protect... They want to protect their brand. They want to yeah. protect the the that inflow of money, which is unobstructed. Yeah, right. that's the thing. Is like That's a big revenue stream it's huge for those money. companies. Yeah. Huge money. Uh I do want to make one more point about the right to repair, because uh, Apple is kind of starting to go the other way with they right to repair. They just made some changes, yeah. Yeah. So before that, completely, you always have to have your phone worked on by a certified Apple technician. Mm-hmm. And in that time, do you guys remember the Apple phone uh, battery controversy that happened a few years ago? Uh, is that the one where they exploded? No, that was, that, that was Samsung. That was oh, Samsung, yeah. unfortunately. <laughs> Those videos were hilarious. People discovered that Apple was every year, or I think it was every two years, they would take the two-year-old model of the iPhone and throttle the battery so that it would last like 30% less than it did before. And that would pretty much line up with the release mm-hmm. of the new iPhone. So they came up with a story. They, they were like, oh, yeah, we're trying to protect your older battery. This is this is for your benefit. But it always lined up with the release of a new iPhone. They was, also, that, was that a software? It was a software thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. They also, uh, re- like, they reversed that. Like, they stopped doing that to old phones. So obviously it wasn't that big of a deal. So that's the thing about the right to repair is, like, if you have the ability to break into any piece of tech or equipment or anything that you own, that you purchased, you can find out a lot about how it was made and you can find out if, like, the company that made it is trying to hide some sketchy stuff. I agree. Like, if you could peek into Apple's, like, source code, then you would be able to see, oh, they're throttling the battery every two years. Yeah, but see, Apple is the kind of brand that would absolutely do that because their, their entire marketing and persona is that... The latest and greatest is the only thing worth having. Yeah. Exactly. Whereas, even opposed, like even like to Samsung, like I don't feel that that's the same level as with. It's Apple. not. Apple is a cult. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I think that's because Samsung is a uh, an international company as opposed to Apple is p- 
are almost predominantly, you know, U.S. based. Yeah. It's the same with John Deere. You know, you have these massive industries and these people will pay for brand and they yeah. will not ask questions. They just want the latest and greatest. I know so many guys that have this serious iron deficiency, which means that they have to have the best piece of iron on the market, the newest tractors, whatever. And these guys, it doesn't matter what it costs. It, it's ridiculous. You're just paying for branding. Yeah. You're paying for Apple, even though Samsung does just as good of a job, it, arguably. It's the kind of people that buy, like, Madden 2000. <laughs> because they have Madden 19, like 99. Oh, yeah. They're like, man, it's the latest. It's a new Madden. Yeah. It's, I don't it's, get, the, it's the new one. I same do not players. understand the people that buy the sports games every year. Same players, same sports. It's the same thing they, every time. Yeah, they the finally wisened up on that, and they're not really doing that every year yeah. as much anymore. But I always thought, still like, happens. I had this idea like a couple of years ago. I'm sure I'm not the first person that sports games should be like a games as a service model. Where, like, you pay for, like, a month pass, a year pass, and they just, like, constantly update the service rather than I think they, I think some game. do that now, a little yeah. bit. I don't know if that would Maybe. work, though, because then you... Well, like, every, like, five or so years, you update the engine as well, but, like... It just, does, oh, yeah, it doesn't exist like that Like, yet. like oh. quarterly updates. Oh. Like, yeah. So what you're saying is that instead of, uh, they make a game, they finish the game, they sell you the game, you buy the game... They just continuously make the same game, but better every year or so, and yeah. you like just pay a smaller, uh, pay a subscription, like the World of Warcraft model, basically. Is that the, how does that work? It's it's like an it's any MMO model yeah. where um, there'll be an expansion that it's the same crap. Well, actually, they update graphics and everything, but like you pay a, a small initial fee, less than the initial, you know, entry into it. Okay. And you get all these new features. Yeah. Hmm. Like you pay whatever, 80 bucks for the game. And then once a year, you pay 40 bucks for the next year pass. Oh, yeah. It's way less than that for, for like, those now. Yeah, yeah. You buy the base game, it's like, I think it's it might even be free now. Yeah. My uh, my monetization meter is very skewed from playing Destiny for so many years. Cause but it would be Destiny different with, stuff is very with expensive. you know, NHL 2022 or something like that. Yeah. So you would, I, I actually kind of like that. Yep. And I think we could, we would probably, we're probably moving in that direction. So oh, 100%. So many with, games with, are going with, that with way. Season, with the, the season pass yeah. thing that's, that's kicked off in the last five, six years. But having, especially. making your own game. So making one game and just calling it NHL. Yeah. We'll call it NHL Forever or something. Yeah. NHL, uh, what's the word that means forever? Infinity. Infinity. <laughs> infinite. NHL Infinite. Okay. And you yeah. just buy, you just buy a subscription to NHL Infinite and you can play it all year and then at the end of the year they update it and with this year's new players yeah, and whatever. The, the only reason that that hasn't taken off I think so far is that game development still does take a long time. Mm. So like doing even quarterly updates is pretty ambitious yeah. for a studio. But if you already have a studio working on a even, game... Even like, yearly updates, you could probably do, but like... Also, there's no way that those sports games take that long to make. Because they're well, the same every year. They are. That's true. That's true. I agree with that. Those, but game, like, but like, like, those games are just like it, it's money the, printers. It's the production. You gotta, well, you got to think of like there's got to be new voice recordings and... and like there's there's more that goes into it, but like I agree, it's it's not as complex as a lot of others. For they sure. just take the same models last year, put some new voices and new. Well, that's what they do. It's twenty, it's twenty twenty two, yeah, and then twenty twenty three, yeah, yeah. 
Exactly. So I think generally those installments are not like full price games. Usually they're like it's like forty nine dollars as opposed to like seventy nine. Are they cheaper now? Eh, Usually. Okay. Hmm. Okay. Was there anything else on the right to repair? Because I feel like I'm still torn in the middle now. I feel like you had some good points, and you had some good points. I feel like it's something to to maybe come back around when we get uh, John Deere guy in here. Folks, please, if you know someone or if you are very interested in this topic and you we're want not to come get, on the we're show we're not going to get the Kellogg's thing <laughs> if you want to come on the show and talk Sorry. to us about right to repair because you know better email us at the modern rustic podcast at gmail.com sorry because I, we are interested I totally spoke over you like three times there <laughs> that's okay sorry uh, yeah, do we want to get to the Kellogg's thing it's already been like oh hour, it's, hour it'll only take a minute basically okay. my family loves cornflakes and it has been so hard to and find they went on strike they did they were on strike. I meant your family went on strike. Basically. Yeah. You can't go without cornflakes. But cornflakes and Rice Krispies you cannot find in the grocery store. Really? The strike ended last year. You still oh. cannot find cornflakes or Rice Krispies. Or a couple other Kellogg's products. Yeah. We are down to like rice checks and like <laughs> rice crisps and these the weird horror. knockoff brands. Oh, man. How are, how are you surviving? It's tough. It is so tough. And, you know, you just you take it for granted that the cornflakes are always going to be there. Uh, can I can I give you a suggestion? Sure. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Hey, it's not for me. I don't really eat cereal anymore. I don't even eat breakfast. But, uh... It's a know, problem in the household. It's in, in the fam, familial household. You You're know. hearing about it constantly, I bet. It's, it's rough. Every time... Basically... All of my extended family is always constantly on the lookout for cornflakes and rice crackers. I bet your family eats a lot of cereal. We do, yeah. Because you always got you always got milk. That's true. We have so much milk. Yeah, and it makes sense. We eat a lot of uh, brie, which is like milky porridge, basically milky oatmeal. And uh, but it's just terrible because even though the strike ended. Still ain't got no cornflakes. Yeah, just supply chain issues. It's supply chain issues, but yeah. it's only for cornflakes and Rice Krispies. Yeah. Folks, if you see cornflakes at a local store, Abbotsford, I'll drive to Mission for it, okay? Email them to the Modern Wrestling Podcast or just gmail.com. Yeah. DM us on Instagram and we'll send you our mail, mailing address. <laughs> uh, Kellogg's, if you're out there, we're looking for sponsorships. Oh, uh, and cornflakes. If we had a P.O. box, we would just get flooded with Rice Krispies. <laughs> if you can bring us ten boxes of Rice Krispies or cornflakes, we will have you on the show. Hands down. Hands Doesn't down. matter what you want to talk about. <laughs> Is there anything else you guys want to cover? We should move on to our final segment that we are starting this week. That's true. We, technically, yeah. No, we, yeah. Did, we did it once before. <laughs> Folks, we know that you are busy. This and time we're going to do it every time. <laughs> I hope so. This time for the first time. <laughs> All right. Folks, we know that you are busy and you live busy lives, and so do we. But we take time to bring you the quality content that you deserve. And in that regard and that respect, we want to suggest things that we have seen or heard or watched or read that we think that you might like. So that you don't have to keep scrolling through Netflix or looking down that bookshelf line and thinking, man, it's so much work. What am I going to do this week? So, in that spirit, we are going to each suggest one thing for you that you should check out. Zach, why don't you take the lead on this one? Uh, I am actually going to recommend a music album. Oh. Uh, I am going to recommend... Uh, I'll, I'll recommend two, because one of them is instrumental. 
if you're okay with instrumentals. I know a lot of people don't like instrumental music, but... Are you asking um, me, or...? I'm speaking to the audience. Okay, good. Because yeah. I think that they'll love whatever you suggest. Okay, so so two albums. One, uh, it's called Departure Songs by We Lost the Sea. Mm-hmm. That's the instrumental one. Uh, every song is kind of a retelling of the last moments of uh, heroic figures in history. Uh, with instrumental music, it's a little abstract as to how that works, but still pretty cool, in my opinion. Uh, number two, I was telling Mike about this a uh, little while ago. Album called Twelve Four by the Paper Kites. Uh, kind of has what the Paper Kites. Okay. Uh, kind of has like an '80s synth vibe. Mm. Uh, the whole album was written and recorded, and I think mixed between the hours of 12 a.m. and 4 a.m. Mm. So the whole album has kind of like a sleepy vibe to it, like kind of driving through the city late at night when there's no traffic. Through the fog. Through the fog. Of which there has been much copious and lately. Yeah, so I'll recommend those two. Interesting. Mike, what do you got for us? Uh, I got a YouTube channel that uh, I just randomly discovered through uh, one of those, you know, down the rabbit hole <laughs> times on YouTube. Uh, it's called the Institute of Human Anatomy. Okay. They do a lot of really cool, like, uh, educational, like, short educational videos about various topics about human anatomy and just biology. Oh. Uh, the first one I found was a the interior of your stomach and what like acid reflux does. It uh, <laughs> they 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 basically show you like the in, the inside of your stomach and like what it looks like and how it moves. It was actually really cool. That is cool. Uh, there's been a bunch of other ones about like your lungs. I think they did one recently about uh, what happens during a seizure. I haven't oh, watched yeah. it yet, but they actually have like a brain and they show you like what will, what happens to your brain physically when you yeah. have a seizure is really educational. They're really short. They're maybe like five, six minutes long, but oh, they yeah. have like real like organs to kind of show you what they look like. Oh, interesting. Mm. It's, it's really educational. It's super engaging. Like yeah. it's, it's, it's cool to watch. That is cool. Hmm. That sounds fun. Did, did, did you see if they have one on, um, they've got so many videos. I barely scratched the surface. I just, I've kind of watched like five or six now and I'm like, this is, like, really cool and educational. I like educational stuff. Do they have any, like, on diseases? I imagine they have us. I always wondered what, how the body, like, you know, uh, like, necrotizing fasciitis or, like, those necrotic diseases that, like, eat your skin and yeah. ugh, those are so fun. Not <laughs> so to have. Fun. Not to have, but just the idea of them is interesting to me. I feel like a cool video on that would be interesting. Yeah, I would be surprised if they probably have something similar to that. Mm, cool. What All right, there, Russell. Uh, well, I have been just doing a deep dive on a bunch of movies lately, uh, and honestly, I thought you were going to suggest a movie, but yeah. it's it's always interesting because you're gonna, either going to give me a really good movie suggestion because you're a movie buff, or you're going to give me a really good music suggestion because you're also a music guy. Yeah. I I feel like I should so suggest what you your band, but I'm not going to. <laughs> I watched. That'll come up. I have two because I can't decide, but I watched the Dawn Wall a little while ago and his documentary on Netflix about this rock climber who climbs the this steepest or not steepest because it's a, a sheer face but it's the most difficult climb probably in the world and this guy is a missing a finger his pointer finger he's missing it and b he does it with uh, another team uh, another partner and it is 
the biggest climb that has ever happened in North America, for sure. And it's all free climbing. Like, it's not... Oh, yeah. There's like nothing. Free solo it's it's free climbing. So he, they're hooked up, but they have to make it certain um, way to each, to each uh, pitch, I think they're called, to each pitch in a day, or else they have to start over from the beginning. And the way these guys just grab these tiny little... It's insane. These tiny little grips... These these tiny holes in the wall. Yeah. They're not even holes. They're not ledges. They're you. It's crazy. It is such a beautiful art form and sport that these guys are doing. And I know we had a guest on here earlier that talked about rock climbing, and that's kind of what inspired me to watch this movie. Not to rock climb, of course, but no. just to watch a movie about it. So and it's crazy. But the best thing is this wall. It's the Don Wall. It's in I think Yosemite. Don't quote me on that, folks. But it's just this sheer cliff. It's like so smooth, you wouldn't even think about climbing it. But this guy climbs it, and it is insane the way that his story goes. He lost a finger. He thought he would never climb again, and he trained himself to use like the nub of his finger to climb. It's insane. That's crazy. It was beautiful. <sighs> Sounds like it's worth checking out. And the wall, the, the map, the the peak itself is gorgeous. Yeah. Gorgeous, and the way they film it all, and the it takes him, I think, three weeks to get up this thing. Spoilers, he makes it up. Uh, that we a sad end. We won't spoil it for the audience, <laughs> but we will spoil No Time to Die. True, that's that's cut. Yeah, that's cut. Irregardless, it was phenomenal. I also watched uh, The Killing of a Sacred Deer the other day. Oh my god, Amazing. that movie is so good! Amazing. <sighs> I love that movie. Have you seen The Lobster? I have not. Okay. You gotta watch The Lobster. I want to. I, there's <laughs> yeah. so many movies I want same, to see. Same director. So it's like the same like dialogue style oh. where everything's very weird and how do you even describe it? Colin Firth is nuts in that movie. Fair. Colin Farrell. Wait, oh sorry, Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell. I get them mixed up all the time. Yeah. Colin Firth, King's Speech. Colin Farrell, other stuff. Yeah. Bullseye. That's how I remember Bullseye. it. <laughs> wow, His best what, performance. What a reference. <laughs> that, His oh. breakout performance as Bullseye <laughs> in the Ben Affleck Daredevil. Wow. Hey, why not, right? Yeah, it works. He. I watched that movie a lot when I was a kid. Yeah, a lot. Too. Okay, so Colin Firth, when he... You know, he always touches the bullseye on his Colin Farrell. Oh, right. Sorry. Colin Farrell. (laughs) And then he, and that scene on the airplane when he flicks the peanut into the lady's, old lady's mouth and she dies. Oh. The most memorable scene of any When I was eight, that was so cool. That was so cool. Yeah. (sighs) It's pretty great. Anyways. Folks, check it out if you want to. Watch Daredevil starring Ben Affleck. (laughs) No, that's not my recommendation. (laughs) Colin Farrell really comes into his own. Colin Firth really comes into his own. <laughs> <laughs> also, King's Speech. That's great. That's Colin Firth. Fair. No, that's Colin Firth. No, it's... Have a great week, folks. <laughs> uh, we hope you will join us next week for more Modern Rustic.